prefaces of home education series volume three school education this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by betty b home education series volume three school education by charlotte a mason prefaces we read in the purgatorio canto one how virgil was directed to prepare dante for his difficult ascent go then and see thou gird this one about with a smooth rush and that thou wash his face so that thou cleanse away all stain therefrom this little island round about its base below there yonder where the billow beats it doth rushes bear upon its washy ooze no other plant that putteth forth he leaf or that doth endure it can there have life because it yieldeth not unto the shocks then came we down upon the desert shore there he begirt me as the other pleased o oh, marvellous for even as he called the humble plant such it sprang up again suddenly there where he uprooted it longfellow's translation preface to the home education series the educational outlook is rather misty and depressing both at home and abroad that science should be a staple of education that the teaching of latin of modern languages of mathematics must be reformed that nature and handicrafts should be pressed into service for the training of the eye and hand that boys and girls must learn to write english and therefore must know something of history and literature and on the other hand that education must be made more technical and utilitarian these and such as these are the cries of expedience with which we take the field but we have no unifying principle no definite aim in fact no philosophy of education as a stream can rise no higher than its source so it is probable that no educational effort can rise above the whole scheme of thought which gives it birth and perhaps this is the reason of all the fallings from us vanishings failures and disappointments which mark our educational records those of us who have spent many years in pursuing the benign and elusive vision of education perceive that her approaches are regulated by a law and that this law has yet to be evoked we can discern its outlines but no more we know that it is pervasive there is no part of a child's home life or school work which the law does not penetrate it is illuminating too showing the value or lack of value of a thousand systems and expedients it is not only a light but a measure providing a standard whereby all things small and great belonging to educational work must be tested the law is liberal taking in whatsoever things are true honest and of good report and offering no limitation or hindrance save where excess should endure and the path indicated by the law is continuous and progressive with no transition stage from the cradle to the grave except that maturity takes up the regular self-direction to which immaturity has been trained we shall doubtless find when we apprehend the law that certain german thinkers kant herbart lotze froebel are justified 
that as they say it is necessary to believe in god that therefore the knowledge of god is the principal knowledge and the chief end of education by one more character shall we be able to recognize this perfect law of educational liberty when it shall be made evident it has been said that the best idea which we can form of absolute truth is that it is able to meet every condition by which it can be tested this we shall expect of our law that it shall meet every test of experiment and every test of rational investigation not having received the tables of our law we fall back upon froebel or upon herbart or if we belong to another school upon locke or spencer but we are not satisfied a discontent is it a divine discontent is upon us and assuredly we shall hail a workable effectual philosophy of education as a deliverance from much perplexity before this great deliverance comes to us it is probable that many tentative efforts will be put forth having more or less of the characters of a philosophy notably having a central idea a body of thought with various members working in vital harmony such a theory of education which need not be careful to call itself a system of psychology must be in harmony with the thought movements of the age must regard education not as a shut-off compartment but as being as much a part of life as birth or growth marriage or work and it must leave the pupil attached to the world at many points of contact it is true that educationalists are already eager to establish such contact in several directions but their efforts rest upon an axiom here and an idea there and there is no broad unifying basis of thought to support the whole fools rush in where angels fear to tread and the hope that there may be many tentative efforts toward a philosophy of education and that all of them will bring us nearer to the magnum opus encourages me to launch one such attempt the central thought or rather body of thought upon which i found is the somewhat obvious fact that the child is a person with all the possibilities and powers included in personality some of the members which develop from this nucleus have been exploited from time to time by educational thinkers and exist vaguely in the general common sense a notion here another there one thesis which is perhaps new that education is the science of relations appears to me to solve the question of curricula as showing that the object of education is to put a child in living touch with as much as may be of the life of nature and of thought add to this one or two keys to self-knowledge and the educated youth goes forth with some idea of self-management with some pursuits and many vital interests my excuse for venturing to offer a solution however tentative and passing to the problem of education is twofold for between thirty and forty years i have labored without pause to establish a working and philosophic theory of education and in the next place each article of the educational faith i offer has been arrived at by inductive processes and has i think been verified by a long and wide series of experiments it is however with sincere diffidence that i venture to offer the results of this long labor 
because i know that in this field there are many laborers far more able and expert than i the angels who fear to tread so precarious is the footing but if only pour encourager les autres i append a short synopsis of the educational theory advanced in the volumes of the home education series the treatment is not methodic but incidental here a little there a little as seemed to me most likely to meet the occasions of parents and teachers i should add that in the course of a number of years the various essays have been prepared for the use of the parents educational union in the hope that that society might witness for a more or less coherent body of educational thought the consequence of truth is great therefore the judgment of it must not be negligent one children are born persons two they are not born either good or bad but with possibilities for good and evil three the principles of authority on the one hand and obedience on the other are natural necessary and fundamental but four these principles are limited by the respect due to the personality of children which must not be encroached upon whether by fear or love suggestion or influence or undue play upon any one natural desire five therefore we are limited to three educational instruments the atmosphere of environment the discipline of habit and the presentation of living ideas six by the saying education is an atmosphere it is not meant that a child should be isolated in what may be called a child environment especially adapted and prepared but that we should take into account the educational value of his natural home atmosphere both as regards persons and things and should let him live freely among his proper conditions it stultifies a child to bring down his world to the child's level seven by education is a discipline is meant the discipline of habits formed definitely and thoughtfully whether habits of mind or body physiologists tell us of the adaptation of brain structure to habitual lines of thought i e to our habits eight in the saying that education is a life the need of intellectual and moral as well as of physical sustenance is implied the mind feeds on ideas and therefore children should have a generous curriculum nine but the mind is not a receptacle into which ideas must be dropped each idea adding to an apperception mass of its like the theory upon which the herbartian doctrine of interest rests ten on the contrary a child's mind is no mere sack to hold ideas but is rather if the figure may be allowed a spiritual organism with an appetite for all knowledge this is its proper diet with which it is prepared to deal and which it can digest and assimilate as the body does foodstuffs eleven this difference is not a verbal quibble the herbartian doctrine lays the stress of education the preparation of knowledge in enticing morsels presented in due order upon the teacher children taught upon this principle are in danger of receiving much teaching with little knowledge and the teacher's axiom is what a child learns matters less than how he learns it twelve but believing that the normal child has powers of mind 
that fit him to deal with all knowledge proper to him we must give him a full and generous curriculum taking care only that the knowledge offered to him is vital that is that facts are not presented without their informing ideas out of this conception comes the principle that thirteen education is the science of relations that is that a child has natural relations with a vast number of things and thoughts so we must train him upon physical exercises nature handicrafts science and art and upon many living books for we know that our business is not to teach him all about anything but to help him to make valid as many as may be of those first-born affinities that fit our new existence to existing things fourteen there are also two secrets of moral and intellectual self-management which should be offered to children these we may call the way of the will and the way of the reason fifteen the way of the will children should be taught a to distinguish between i want and i will b that the way to will effectively is to turn our thoughts from that which we desire but do not will c that the best way to turn our thoughts is to think of or do some quite different thing entertaining or interesting d that after a little rest in this way the will returns to its work with new vigor this adjunct of the will is familiar to us as diversion whose office it is to ease us for a time from will effort that we may will again with added power the use of suggestion even self-suggestion as an aid to the will is to be deprecated as tending to stultify and stereotype character it would seem that spontaneity is a condition of development and that human nature needs the discipline of failure as well as of success sixteen the way of the reason we should teach children too not to lean too confidently unto their own understanding because the function of reason is to give logical demonstration a of mathematical truth and b of an initial idea accepted by the will in the former case reason is perhaps an infallible guide but in the second it is not always a safe one for whether that initial idea be right or wrong reason will confirm it by irrefragable proofs seventeen therefore children should be taught as they become mature enough to understand such teaching that the chief responsibility which rests on them as persons is the acceptance or rejection of initial ideas to help them in this choice we should give them principles of conduct and a wide range of the knowledge fitted for them these three principles fifteen sixteen and seventeen should save children from some of the loose thinking and heedless action which cause most of us to live at a lower level than we need eighteen we should allow no separation to grow up between the intellectual and spiritual life of children but should teach them that the divine spirit has constant access to their spirits and is their continual helper in all the interests duties and joys of life the home education series is so called from the title of the first volume and not as dealing wholly or principally with home as opposed to school education preface the intention of the following volume is to offer some suggestions towards a curriculum for boys and girls under twelve 
a curriculum however is not an independent product but is linked to much else by chains of cause and consequence and the manner of curriculum i am anxious to indicate is the outcome of a scheme of educational thought the adoption of which might i believe place educational work generally upon a sounder footing the fundamental principles of docility and authority have been considered in the first place because they are fundamental but for that very reason they should be present but not in evidence we do not expose the foundations of our house not only so but these principles must be conditioned by respect for the personality of children and in order to give the children room for free development on the lines proper to them it is well that parents and teachers should adopt an attitude of masterly inactivity having considered the relations of teachers and taught i have touched upon those between education and current thought education should be in the flow as it were and not shut up in a watertight compartment perhaps reverence for personality as such a sense of the solidarity of the race and a profound consciousness of evolutionary progress are among the elements of current thought which should help us towards an educational ideal in considering the training of children under the convenient divisions of physical mental moral and religions i have not thought it is necessary to enlarge upon matters of common knowledge and general acceptance but have dwelt upon aspects of training under each heading which are likely to be overlooked under the phrase education is a life i have tried to show how necessary it is to sustain the intellectual life upon ideas and as a corollary that a school book should be a medium for ideas and not merely a receptacle for facts that normal children have a natural desire for and a right of admission to all fitting knowledge appears to me to be suggested by the phrase education is the science of relations these considerations clear the ground towards that of a curriculum the sort of curriculum i have in view should educate children upon things and books current thought upon the subject of education by things is so sound and practical and so thoroughly carried into effect that i have not thought it necessary to dwell much here upon this part of education our great failure seems to me to be caused by the fact that we do not form the habit of reading books that are worth while in children while they are at school and are under twelve years of age the free use of books implies correct spelling and easy and vigorous composition without direct teaching of these subjects the appendices show i think that such use of books in education works out well in practice and is a great saving of time and labor to both teacher and pupils especially relieving both of the deadly dull labor wasted on corrections the much diluted or over condensed teaching of the oral lesson or the lecture gives place to the well thought out consecutive treatment of the right books a living book in which facts are presented as the outcome of ideas children taught in this way are remarkable for their keenness after knowledge and do well afterwards in any examination for which they may have to prepare and what is of much more consequence are prepared to take their full share of all that life offers of intellectual and practical interests ambleside november 1904
will the reader kindly substitute teachers for parents when the former title suits the case end of prefaces